0: On this week's episode of Slashers, Jake and his lovely wife talk about Shutter Island, or is it Shitter Island? Hoo hoo. Be sure to stay tuned until the end of the episode for a special track from Rat Bat Spider. Someone is missing Brian, Chad, Jim, but not my lovely wife This is Slashers, a podcast about movies and more for those who love horror My name is Jake and with me for my entire life (laughs) For now and forevermore until death do us part is my lovely co-host and wife Sierra, how are you this evening?
1: I'm great, excited to discuss this interesting movie
0: Interesting, not good, but interesting (laughs) I think that's very fair So you've stepped in last minute. It seems that uh, Jim has a squirty butt, Brian might have the coronavirus, and Chad has better things to do. So thank you. I appreciate you.
1: No problem, honey.
0: (laughs) The show must go on. At one point, I had toyed with just recording this episode by myself, and you were like, no, that's weird. Don't do that. And then you (laughs) watched the movie with me. And just so everybody knows, I think there's going to be an inherent comparison between this movie and True Lies. Reason being, you and I were halfway through True Lies when we realized that none of the other co-hosts were going to be available for this week, so we abruptly stopped watching True Lies and started watching this movie. So, yeah, I'm going to say I'm probably a bigger fan of True Lies in this movie. <laughs> what about you?
1: Uh, from what I saw of True Lies, uh, yeah.
0: For sure. It reminds me of our dynamic a little bit. Like, if you were going <laughs> to do a striptease that was choreographed by James Cameron, I'm pretty sure you'd fall down midway through it, right? Oh, for sure. It was awesome. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I connected a little too closely with that character.
0: And I feel like we both know I'm like rugged and super masculine and you no know, oh, Austrian accent
1: for sure. Yeah,
0: okay, thank you. I feel like I identify pretty much with <laughs> the Governator. So, when it comes to this film, I had actually had the esteemed pleasure of reading the Dennis Lehane novel this time around. The first time I saw this movie, I had not. And let me tell you, you know how they're always like, the book's better than the movie. Yeah, that's an expression because it's true. And this book is better than the movie, not by like an incredibly large margin, but we'll get into it. Would you like the two little tidbits of trivia I found on this film? Uh, sure. So Shutter Island is an anagram of both truths and lies or truths denials.
1: Hmm? Hmm. I would say that for this movie... I guess denials would be more appropriate, right?
0: It's not just a river in Egypt or a gay bar off the 57 freeway. <laughs> am I right?
1: I think that. Yeah, I don't know. I I that's interesting. I don't think that anyone just, you know, off the street would be like, oh, yeah. Did you know Yeah, that this is an anagram?
0: What? Well- this would, I'd give this way more credence if I had heard this from Dennis Lehane, but he did not say it. It was just trivia I found online. And so I was like, if the writer who's doing all the things with the riddles and the, you know, cryptography in it had said it, okay, that makes sense.
1: Or maybe if that was like the tagline,
0: you know, Ooh, like okay. something
1: more over or, or set or just said.
0: Yeah. Like some manic patient is like, you know, nothing here but truths and lies something. I like that. The wild line. Yeah. And then the other bit of trivia I found is kind of a sad one. You, it's, it's the only partnership of Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio that failed to receive any Oscar nominations, which would of course include Gangs of New York, The Aviator, The Departed, and The Wolf of Wall Street. All of those were nominated for Best Picture. This did not. Would you like to get into the statistics for this week? <laughs>
1: I'm ready. So the budget for this movie was 80 million dollars. Ooh,
0: ooh. You know what they could have done? Just given all of that money to the good Mr. Lehane and had him just write more books.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you liked it so much.
0: Yeah, I would be so much happier to have that. We'll get into his like writing career. His other writings have made me notoriously uncomfortable with this one. I actually enjoyed throughout.
1: Oh, I'm excited to hear about them because I didn't know that. He was, you know, what other works he's written. Mm. In the box office, it earned $294.8 million worldwide. I mean, that's quite a bit of profit there.
0: It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I have to admit. and <laughs> It makes you wonder why they didn't do Shutter Island 2, Electric Boogaloo, right? Not appropriate. Post-lobotomy. He's like mumbling around himself. Blah, blah, blah.
1: If he survives. Yeah. I don't know. The
0: brain scrambling and everything. I love that people, I saw stuff online, because I looked on Reddit, and people were like, <laughs> like, what's the thing that the orderly has in the towel? I'm like, did you just not watch the rest of the fucking movie? <laughs> they even talk about, like, transorbital lobotomy, shoving sticks in your brain and pulling out the gunk. Mm-hmm. Whatever. What was the opening weekend, Bay?
1: February 19th, 2010. Ooh. Which I'm trying to... I think I... I don't think I saw this in... Th- Maybe I did see this in theater. 2010.
0: I would have had to see this in theaters. And this is pre-law school for me, so I actually had free time back then. It was rad. Because <laughs> when I was making that sick-ass Starbucks money, <laughs> I bet I took my money from the tips and saw this fucking movie. Probably. And it was very nonplussed. I remember being just notoriously unimpressed with this film.
1: You know, it's interesting, because the first time I saw it, I feel like I enjoyed it. I don't really remember so i guess it must not have been that amazing or did you pull out your t- quill and write home about it <laughs> no i don't think so okay but i didn't think it was terrible
0: yeah i mean t- i think that well, you and i have discussed this quite a bit i have a much greater tolerance for dumb shit <laughs> like i i like bad things more Are than you i sure? like
1: because i married you so
0: <laughs> wow <laughs> I will remember that, (laughs) just like I will forever remember when you got me on April Fool's Day by putting (laughs) a rubber band around the sprayer hose thing for the sink, which is why we don't have one of those (laughs) anymore. That's right. (laughs) Yes. I don't think I've forgotten about it. I will have my vengeance. (laughs) I learned something very great from my property professor. He famously said, I'm not even till I'm ahead, and I will get you back Mm -hmm. with interest, because that was... Three years ago. (gasps) No, I feel
1: like that was getting you back for the time that you stuck your finger (laughs) inside the random.
0: Uh, You're explaining it. (laughs) I I would just love people to have the the ongoing mystery for the rest of the show. (laughs) When you stuck your finger in blank. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, you could always edit it to stop it. No, no,
0: no. (laughs) I'm I'm a true journalist and uh, an artiste. I never edit anything out, and we always speak perfectly with no ums, uhs, delays, or having to Google and cite our sources. But the incident to which my lovely wife is referring, we had a, an apartment together. Yes. And this was your first time living on your own, so you were already on edge. Yeah. And there was just a pipe in the bathroom. Yep. We, Sticking uh, out of the wall. And we had no it, idea. Yeah. It was up high enough to where... I, the, it, there was it was just weird didn't seem that there was any like fluid in it it looked like there was some dust in there so i we were both in the bathroom <laughs> facing the mirror and i shoved my finger in it and my finger you know my whole arm is outstretched overhead and i go huh! and you just about turned stark white <laughs> i mean it was the scariest thing you've ever endured short of watching the babadook and hearing that yeah, kid screaming
1: probably for sure and so i feel like we're even
0: no I said I'm not even till I'm ahead.
1: Okay, but you, you just said
0: even I need to be ahead.
1: Mm-hmm. Ooh.
0: So the movie was originally supposed to come out in October of 2009, but then there are a few different reasons why it says that this changed. Some people said they were trying to get it groomed for like you know this is the award season. Other people said that in... <laughs> like cats. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh wow.
0: Razzies maybe. <laughs> Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was unable to do international marketing for the movie, blah, 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 blah. So instead, it comes out in February. Do you like to use the R or do you not? Okay. So February 5th was...
1: Frozen. Which we all know how that played out.
0: Yeah, Chad knows better than anybody because both of his daughters are obsessed with that. Meanwhile, we lucked out with the kid who likes monsters Labyrinth and now apparently Dark Crystal. Like, she was hypnotized by that movie, and you were like, Mama's bored. Let's put on at Treasure Island.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which I can't consider. A much better movie. Well, uh,
0: I'll say different. It's less ambitious. Okay, let's talk about the originality of taking a Robert Louis Stevenson You know Stevenson what? It book.
1: reminded me, Dark Crystal, just of the short bit that I saw. It reminded me of, uh, gosh, I can't, I'm not going to remember the name right now. Well, what's the movie with the blue people?
0: Avatar? Yeah. That's offensive.
1: Well, it did.
0: Don't say things you can't take back.
1: <laughs> if you it, are kidding If it would have right been, been blue, same movie.
0: <gasps> no, that's, no. Ferngully, yes. Ferngully's the same movie.
1: Ferngully is the same thing as Avatar as well.
0: Yes, that's what I'm saying. Y- okay, this movie, Dark Crystal, has no ponytail fucking. It has no military industrial complex. There are no white people. You know why? Because there's no like people. Like I'm
1: saying, the five minutes
0: well, you should that just, I saw. You should have a greater sample size before making a hurtful statement like that. I will never forgive you.
1: <laughs> and I will never watch that movie really through. Well, how am I ever going <laughs> to
0: find the time and effort to watch the stupid Netflix version if I don't? Because I'm not going to watch that in my car while I'm driving 80 miles an hour. But anyway, we're getting off topic. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> February 12th the week before was the Wolfman the ill-fated Rick Baker the Benicio del Toro and Anthony Hopkins remember it was just bad kind of like this it was just like eh. and then the week or yeah, yeah and then the week, the week after, after was the crazies and then have you ever heard of Defendor No have you ever heard of Super with Rain Wilson no. So it's they're the same movie where some guy who's arguably autistic pretends to be a superhero. This guy's just more violent. It's weird, but Woody Harrelson's kind of charming in it. So that's basically the competition. Uh, it's kind of no wonder that with the name brands that you have in this, that this movie did better than all those. Well, except for Frozen.
1: Right. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, Frozen I mean, kicked I... this movie's ass. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Worldwide. And I'll remind you that Frozen got a sequel and Shutter Island didn't. <laughs>
1: oh sorry well i feel like that's probably for the best
0: i don't know i really think that this exact same movie a shot for shot remake where leonardo dicaprio is just like drooling on himself would be pretty great
1: well he only acts on with one note anyway so it'd probably be pretty easy crazy for him to do that how do people
0: say he's so good it drives me fucking crazy this squinty eyed bullshit acting every movie every time
1: well that's what i was like thinking back i before we even started recording this i started thinking like okay what other movies is he in where i'm just like yeah he was great in that the only movie where i thought he showed any sort of emotion was wolf of wall street
0: yeah, that was the most comedic one. So I think that required right. some acting and some good timing and stuff. But you know, the Revenant couldn't care less. The where he's well, the, I went
1: back to like Titanic.
0: Did you include Django Unchained where he breaks a skull on his hand and then rubs blood on an actress's face that's real? No. He straight up assaulted some woman. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. He's not I think good. I
1: tried to block that movie out of my brain. Yeah, I don't. It was a little much.
0: I would rather go to the Fred Williamson movie, Boss N Word.
1: He's so bad. They
2: call him boss. He's a boss. Boss nigga.
0: For those of you who know what I'm talking about, Fred Williamson, who was in From Dust Till Dawn, he was in the original of Inglorious Bastards. It's really weird that Quentin Tarantino basically did a remake slash alteration to Boss N-Word and made Django Unchained and then Fred Williamson didn't get any kind of credit or a cameo. I'm not going to throw shade, but Quentin, you done dirty. (laughs) Shall we keep going?
1: (laughs) This was directed by Martin Scorsese. He was inspired by Caravaggio's paintings. Did I say that correctly? Caravaggio.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. I heard him say it and I was like, I could Google search it or I could just put it in the notes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And see how it goes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So one of the famous things about Scorsese is that he notoriously screens movies. But for this movie, he screened a lot of noir films because all of his cast was too young. While Scorsese himself grew up with the noir films, he couldn't do it. A couple of the ones that he pointed out were The Trial, which stars Anthony Perkins, which is awesome. The Cat People, I Walk With a Zombie, Laura. So if you've seen any of those movies, you'll know you could see that kind of feel throughout the sense of foreboding i think that one of the biggest failures of this movie is that without its own musical score a lot of the tension is just static Mm. so we'll get into it i thought that one of the things was really interesting he talked about that this movie is basically the maxim of quote know thyself I mean, it's basically the entire movie is what you're getting to is just two words. And I, I yeah. thought that was a great simplification. He like, distilled the essence of the film.
1: So we don't have to do like that one sentence thing. I could just. Yeah. There Here you we go. go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the recapitation. Got it. Yeah. Nobody likes doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I don't really. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't like going through the narrative of the films on this show. But every time I've talked about going away, fans are like, whoa. You have to go through the entire movie, shot for shot. What the fuck are you thinking? And I'm just like, you've seen the movie. Why are you gonna have me like tell you the movie? It just seems like this weird radio play where I'm just saying butt fucking all the time. <laughs> One of the things I thought was super interesting, Scorsese was talking about that the Italian-American community where he grew up was just completely gone. His parents were gone. His friends were gone. So by creating this period piece, he was able to, in essence, recreate a lost world. And then he talked about doing this, you can, quote, learn about the present and how to live in the future, which seems a bit of a grandiose way of presenting the information. I mean, basically, you're just, you know... It's kitschy almost, but Mm -hmm. he's great, at least in his own mind, in his art, he's presented it in a way that's much more dynamic and meaningful.
1: I was just thinking. I was still thinking about what you, what you had just said. It's just interesting. I don't know. I guess you have to have some sort of inspiration, right? To make a movie. Yeah. And if that's his inspiration, then that's great. And I could see, I mean, maybe with some of the accents, that connection, but I interesting Italian American community. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Do you agree or disagree with one Mr. Leonardo decapitation <laughs> that Martin Scorsese is the, quote, definitive filmmaker of our time, period, end quote?
1: You know, I'm the wrong person to ask that question, too, uh, just because I don't really follow like, yeah, filmmakers. I mean, I know like big names, but I wouldn't say that. Yeah, I, 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 am not the person to say yeah. yes or no. Too, unfortunately, well, I'm sorry. not either. I, I, <laughs> I'm be, sorry, no, no, I can't no, make no. that
0: call. I, I, I'm shaking my head because I completely agree with you. I think this is the most like self-aggrandizing. You know, this is hype man bullshit.
1: Do you think that he was just like, oh yeah, let's let's try and say this so I can win an Oscar?
0: I think he's saying it to boost up a guy who's given him tremendous opportunities time and time again. I mean, I think that they have a very symbiotic relationship and you can hear the way they talk. Good old Marty has been a little sardonic and, you know, snide in talking about Leo and how he's the one who brings the performance out of Leo. That's one thing I heard time and time again When huh. I was listening to the interviews Interesting Yeah, it was, you know I, I, It didn't get to the level of quite like throwing shade But it was certainly a hierarchy of like I'm in charge Right You're working for me And I think it's very much in the way that Leonardo had talked about how grateful he was for his opportunity He even talked about like purposefully putting off family And marriage and everything To really be grateful for where he is in his career right now I think a lot of that is good old Marty boy jangles
1: coaching him to say that
0: no i mean giving him the opportunities of oh you, know, got gotcha, 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 just in the movies that they've done together i mean you're uh, talking yeah, about I millions of list. dollars yeah. of income and for sure you know aplomb in the community <laughs> now the adaptation was written by Leta uh, this lady is probably very sad She's probably a very sad lady because she created the original Birds of Prey TV show and I bet she took just buckets of shit from people saying she ruined that franchise and then the new Harley Quinn movie came out and people were like, hey, we're wrong. This, <laughs> this franchise could get worse. <laughs> she also created Altered Carbon on Netflix, which features Captain America, which is fun because it's Anthony Mackie. Oh, shit. Have you watched any of that? No. God, no. I don't have time for any Netflix stuff. <laughs> me fucking, that's what i'm saying i'm trying to sucker you into watching dark crystal so i can watch the puppet no. show i don't have fucking time to watch the puppet show uh, and she also wrote night watch which is good pathfinder which is passable alexander which is easily disregarded terminator genesis which i didn't see and alita battle Injury, which i couldn't care fucking less about but i wanted to put those in for purposes of completion Now, the movie itself was based on Shutter Island by Dennis Lehane. That's how it's pronounced? No? No. See, I was reading it, so I... Anyway, so (laughs) the main plot is basically the exact same. Some people were talking about the plot resembling William Peter Blatty's The Ninth Configuration and The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which are things... He also wrote the novels for Mystic River and Gone Baby Gone. If I'm not mistaken, you saw Gone Baby Gone and you didn't hate it.
1: Uh, Remind me. Do you remember? what? Oh. I didn't. I don't remember that movie. Okay. But But maybe I did see it.
0: I think you and Lauren had a date where you went and saw it. And I stayed home. This is pre-baby. So this is Hmm. probably just sat and stared at a wall missing you.
1: I think we may have just gone and seen... uh...
0: Magic Mike XXL or some (laughs) shit? Yes. You dirty rat. (laughs) The truth comes out podcast is Exhibit A. I'm sending it to my family (laughs) law attorney. He also Uh, wrote episodes of Mr. Mercedes and The Outsider. You didn't correct me. It was Mr. Mercedes. I know. And The Wire, which is pretty interesting.
1: I've heard a lot of people say that's a good show, but I have never watched it.
0: Neither have I. Hmm. I don't have the time. (laughs) I mean, I don't have like, that's one of the things I have. I very often have fans send recommendations and stuff like, oh, well, you know, I don't think you have to do an episode on this, but you might want to check out Blah. I'm like, what? (laughs) <laughs> like literally this is my only hobby so for those of you who don't know if you message the show you message Jake if you see a meme that's Jake if you hear an episode I'd say 95% of them have been edited by Jake when you ha- hear a music Jake had to grovel with some musical artist and beg them to send him an mp3 in a timely fashion <laughs> So basically what I'm saying is, no, I will not watch it. I haven't watched it. I only watched the movies and media that we cover on the show and nothing else. because I don't have the time, but I love you. So keep sending recommendations and I'll pretend I watch all of it. <laughs> so he acted as himself in an episode of a show. I think you oh, are very fond
1: of. I love Castle.
0: Do you remember this episode?
1: Who Who is the playing? In- he
0: played himself. Dennis Lehane. Does that name sound familiar to you? No.
1: Well, well, well moving on. As a writer? Yeah. Yeah, it does, actually. There
0: we go. That seems perfect. Now, let me ask you a legitimate question. If we replaced Leonardo decapitated with Nathan Fillion, is this a better movie?
1: For me, yes. Fuck
0: yeah. (laughs) I think it'd be great. Because if he's supposed to be crazy and carrying around a plastic badge, it makes sense to ham it up at least a little bit. Instead of just being furtive and angry the entire movie. Like, he starts off like somebody called his mama. a and he's just like, hey. And it's like, what is happening?
1: Right? Did you assume that the badge was plastic? I'm sorry. I, I oh, got stuck is. on that.
0: It specifically is. They even say it in the book and the movie. Did
1: they say that? hmm I just was thinking back to the first, when they first arrived on the island, and he's like, oh, I've never seen one of those badges before.
0: Because it's fake. <laughs> it's, it's, I like,
1: know, but he was also.
0: Well, because they're all smarmy. I mean, so a lot of people... Give extra credit to it. They're like, oh well, the guards are super defensive at the beginning because you find out that he's been an insane person the whole time. It's like, yeah, that's the whole movie. Like that's literally the thing.
1: And they don't believe that he can be fixed. Do you think the guards believe that?
0: No. That's the thing. That's the point. Right. That they're, it's, you know, outcome determinative where they're like, yeah, you're going to have your little game. Right. You're going to waste our fucking time. Right. You're going to waste all of our resources. This guy needs to be law of automatic. And also, you have to think about it. If it's the security staff. Right. They're the ones who are being injured by this fucking guy. So, cest la vie, as they say. <laughs> so, Lehane talked to Larry King and talked about how he doesn't think about the cinematic adaptation of his works until after he's done. And he was talking about how it makes sense to think that way. And people often will say, oh, you know, author X is such a cinematic writer. Oh, Shakespeare is a cinematic writer. And he's like, yeah, because all of cinema comes from the written page. So Mm -hmm. he said, quote, we predate cinema, which is very simple. And uh, again, I I always love those little distilled truths. If
1: you if you wanted to try and write for movies, you would just be a screenwriter.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not a novelist. Yeah. Or you'd be doing adaptation. It's just, it's also odd, you know. <laughs> because the way that media is adapted i mean think of how many writers complain about their scripts being bastardized or this or that Mm -hmm. you know so many things are improv i mean i'll never forget the writer directors of zombieland the first one saying that bill murray didn't do a single line of their dialogue but the movie was all the better for it because that was such a refreshing thing to hear because so many people are so married to their work yeah i mean it is truly a symbiotic relationship
1: well you have to trust the people that you work with i mean you chose them right
0: when they do choose them, you usually see that much greater esteem with one another. Right. When a studio buys a project and oh, sells it, you know, people end up getting a little embittered. So Lehane actually wanted to be a journalist and actually studied it in grad school. And then he said, quote, I don't like facts. So he started making his own up, which I thought was a pretty fun justification for becoming a writer.
1: Uh, when I read that, I was like... Oh, this is going to be interesting. I don't know where Jake's going to go with this because this is what he does for a living. So this must just be a joke about himself. <laughs> kind of. Because I originally,
0: I really loved journalism. It's just the idea, like, I hate the sensationalism that you have to have in order to make a living at it. So I didn't do that. I sold my soul in other ways.
1: Which we appreciate. Oh,
0: one of my favorite quotes ever in my entire life was when he said the only thing a bachelor's degree in creative writing qualifies you for is a master's degree in creative writing. It's the truth.
1: Oh, that I feel like that's most degrees now.
0: Yeah. And then you have people who are like,
1: well, if there's free public education, everybody's going
0: to be college educated. doesn't mean anything. That's the way it is, except now you don't have people with the burden <laughs> yep. of trillions of dollars of student loan debt. That's right. I still worked at Starbucks, even though I had a teaching credential, a substitute credential and a bachelor's degree. So are you saying you're better than me?
1: No, I'm not saying that at all. No,
0: no, no. I'm saying these to the this is to the royal you. Oh,
1: oh, gotcha. The,
0: the people who are making the sassy remarks. One of my favorite arguments I've heard about free or you know erasing student loan debt was like, oh well, I paid my student loan, so You're basically slapping myself in the face. And this gal was like, oh well, my grandmother died of cancer. So if you cure cancer, then you're ruining the fact that she died for cancer. I was like, ooh, ooh, that's, that's a really good point. A harsh truthism. Quote, I think some of my favorite characters are some of my worst people, which I think is a very interesting thing. When you look at this film and you kind of see the twist of it, you know, we'll get into it, obviously. I think that there's a lot to be said there. What is interesting about the way Daniels is presented is that it's not simply, oh, you just killed your wife. It's other things. It's the lying to himself. It's hurting people Mm -hmm. on a a physical, like a personal one to one level, which I think is almost harder because you actually see his people suffer in both the book and the movie. One of the things that I thought was really interesting in the Larry King interview that I watched, Larry King kind of didn't really snub James Patterson, but was like, Does what he does that qualify as writing? Because this is a guy who puts out fucking 50 books a year, right? Right, right. right. And one of the things that I thought was beautiful is Lahane was like, Yeah, it does count. And also, because he keeps these publishers in business, you have small time writers who might never have had their opportunity to make a living off their writing being able to do so.
1: That's a great point. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people think about that, but it's true.
0: Exactly. You know, the fact that those stupid reality TV shows that are on with the Real Housewives and everything, I think they're disgusting and abhorrent, but I'll never shake a stick at the idea that because they do their stupid hyperbolic nonsense bullshit on TV, that the company that's advertising on there, like your Coca-Cola's factory people have jobs because of those hoity-toity broads with their bleached buttholes. You're not going to laugh Absolutely. anything for bleached buttholes? No. Really? Man.
1: Hey, I mean, maybe if you had guys sitting around you, that might be a funny joke, but this is just the fact of life. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, never mind. What? I was just going to say, I get mine waxed, so I can't, I'm not much better. So.
0: would well, I appreciate <laughs> I can't. it. If my butthole wasn't off limits, I would probably <laughs> get it waxed for you, baby. That's. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, we're devolving into madness. <laughs> One of the things that, that was really interesting was Lahane talked about he directed a film version of his first novel on a budget of $28,000 and said that he, quote, ruined myself financially and, quote, it never saw the light of day. Aww. I was good enough, but I didn't love it. You have to love it. Wow. All right. Jesus.
1: If you did that and were just like, eh. And I just decided not to go through it. I'd be like, I would kill you. Yeah, no, you so for he must sure must have would. been single at this time.
0: Well, you'd have to kill me so you get the life insurance <laughs> because you'd be broke otherwise. He refuses to explain the ending of Shutter Island if it's real or if it's Justin Daniels' head. He said, quote, I will never explain the ending to Shutter wow. Island. Wow. Which the book is a little less cryptic than the movie. but uh, We'll get there. One of the things I, I really enjoyed, also going back to other artists and the comparison with writers he said quote i am your dream audience i read like a nine year old i never guess where anything is going i just sit there that's and me yeah And i wish that i had gone into this movie like that but like i could just tell it was going to have a twist from the very beginning and the way that the marketing materials came out and so from the See, very i don't pay attention to any of that yeah. so
1: it's so much easier for me
0: and i called it and not to, not to brag i'm not that guy who's like oh i totally knew the end of the sixth sense that he was no people like that annoy me but this is one who was like come on now there's one person missing but yeah i really wish that i had gone into this movie without ever having seen a trailer you know because if i had just thought of it as oh just a crime noir i think i would have much more enjoyed it than like oh what's the hook what's the Mm you know so originally columbia pictures had optioned the movie rights to his book back in 2003 when it was first published but then It kept being delayed and reworked and delayed. And so they reverted back to our good pal here. It was originally commissioned. So it was going to be a vehicle for young director, Wolfgang Peterson. But they wanted to make like really serious modifications and make it more like an action thriller kind of thing. No. No. I'm not a fan necessarily of the finished product, but it would be super dumb if there were more explosions. Yeah, way worse. The one explosion in the movie is still a little questionable, right? The car is like, that's weird.
1: Why did that happen? Like,
0: uh, we'll get into it. It's just there's so many logical gaps.
1: <laughs> See, for me, like he was saying, I am. I think the perfect audience as well because I that didn't bother me really. Like the explosion, where I'm like, eh, yeah, it could have been left out, it, you know, but it it wasn't the like the worst part. I don't see like it's it's hard for me to see like logical gaps in movies. Not not that I can't. It's not hard for me to see them. It's just I tend to ignore them. You choose where not to, yeah. I'm just like meh, like that doesn't really make sense. But
0: you propel it along, right? Yeah, you're not gonna sit and gripe about it. Correct. Which I've gotten a lot better about in my old age, but <laughs> I still find myself at times being like, why
1: the fuck? Especially yeah. if you spent mon- money on the movie.
0: Yes. <laughs> That is my new thing. I used yes. to just sit and pout about spending money. And now I'm like, no, I spent five dollars. Or wait, when we saw Justice League. We saw those stupid movie passes, right? Um, yeah, I
1: think we did. And it
0: was for, like basically free. I, I remember thinking that was a gay old time. Yeah. Right. I'll never watch that movie again. But I was like, this isn't, I mean, his stupid lips set aside. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that stupid lip? No, I do. Honey. Oh, God. So good. <laughs> The music, like I said, there's actually no original score to the movie. Instead, it was Martin Scorsese's collaborator, Robbie Robertson, who took a bunch of other... He basically made a NARAS playlist. (laughs) saying, G? And a statement on Paramount's website said, The collection of modern classical music on the soundtrack album was hand-selected by Robertson, who is proud of its scope and sound. This may be the most outrageous and beautiful soundtrack I've ever heard. (laughs) He said of the himself. music. Jesus. <laughs> Awkward. Uh, Shall we move into nicknames?
1: This is the best playlist
0: I've ever made. <laughs> you think he drew it on a, a 700 megabyte CD? Yeah,
1: oh God, I hope so.
0: In a jewel case? Okay, let me ask you a question. If you're burning all these songs onto a CD to give to Martin Scorsese, do you make one of those stupid, like, sticker CD label covers to slap on that, sumbitch, or do you just hand write it? How do you do it?
1: I had never printed those labels, so I feel like I would just have written it.
0: I ruined my dad's CD player in his old truck with them because it was just paper.
1: Oh, no. Into so the, f-
0: like, microfilament.
1: So you print into that, like, for CDs that you all made, done. or?
0: I used to make art for it and stuff. And Interesting. I used to think it was the coolest shit. Man, I was the <laughs> dumbest kid in the world.
1: And then it, you ruined his CD player.
0: Yeah, but that was like a couple of years into it. But yeah, I did. Oh. Sorry, Dad. He has a new <laughs> truck now. It's not a big deal, but you know, the dumb <laughs> things we do when we're kids. But it was so new at the time. Like,
1: Oh, for sure. You
0: went from like, I, especially I never did the whole like taking a cassette tape and recording the radio or trying no. to pirate music that way. So when CDs came out, and I was like, I can do what? and then it was like i could make it look like a real cd like for a fat lonely kid with no other hobbies and no friends this was the coolest shit besides street fighter 2 hyper turbo mega so anyway uh those names
1: yes leonardo (laughs) decapitated
0: as teddy daniels is there anything you wanted to call him
1: i was just thinking like one note but
0: i was gonna say squinty mcginty (laughs) Because he's just like peering at people very annoyingly, but one note's good. I like that. He said that Scorsese gave him quote full ownership of the character and this allows them well. to make yeah right. So he's only <laughs> himself to blame, uh, basically making them accountable, which he called quote empowering. He's like I'm gonna do this one note the entire movie, and I'm so stoked about it.
1: Did you? Uh... I forget when if like while we're watching the movie if you mentioned that he like studied for this role or not like studied but like
0: well there were some screenings beyond just thrillers one of them was the titty cut follies which sounds super fun to say but it's actually a documentary from I think it was 1961 Mm -hmm. where it was basically showing the conditions of you know asylums of that time and there were a couple of things that went you know to a darker place which actually lends to the fact that he said that he went to quote emotional depths I wasn't really prepared for I'm like <laughs> you yelled at everyone and then cried the crying I thought was fine I'll give him credit for that but I think that I would cry too if I just yelled at people and I felt guilty about it at the end of it. So originally when they did this film, they were going to just do something completely different. They were going to go out on a high note and be done with their collaborations. Good old Decapitated and Scorsese. And then the funding wasn't coming through on one. So Scorsese stayed up late one night and found the script and read it and then read it Mm. again. And then that's basically how it came to it. So they ended up later doing Wolf of Wall Street.
1: Thank God. I feel like that was a better movie. I'll get that. This.
0: I don't like the characters in Wolf of Wall Street. You know, I, I'm not big on the deplorable characters. Yeah, but I definitely think it's a m- more entertaining movie than this for sure. Yes, this movie kind of suffers from the same. Oh, we didn't really talk about it. The run time I think it was 139 minutes. Too long, Marty. What are you doing, bud? It was a little rough.
2: Like, come on.
1: Like, the, I definitely uh, had like peaks of val- and valleys of my attention span for this movie. Oh
0: yeah, we'll get into it, especially when we go through the, the narrative of the film. But there are a few scenes you could just consolidate. And I really resent when people are like, oh, well, you just don't like film if you don't like long things like The Irishman. No, if you can't like that's something that drives me fucking up the wall, too. Have you ever heard this? Brevity is the soul of wit.
1: What was the movie that I just watched uh, similar to God? It was not The Irishman. Was it The Irishman? Was the one that I just watched on Netflix?
0: Was it Pacino and all them? Mm hmm. Yeah, it was Irishman.
1: Oh, yeah. I see. I liked that. It was like four hours long? I know, it was
0: long. But you liked it? Yeah. Really?
1: When yeah. the fuck did you have time to watch all that? I like split it up in between days. <sighs> and I think I watched most of it while you were recording.
0: God damn it. <laughs> this is what I mean, you fucks. <laughs> I have no other hobbies. But, so My I'm glad wife you just watches
1: me. things without me while I'm doing this. <laughs> okay, let, let, me, let me gripe. Like... Lego Masters.
0: Yeah, that's, that's some bullshit. <laughs> this broad going way overboard watching <laughs> every episode of Lego Masters without me. And then I'm rewatching them. She's like, well, this team loses anyway. <laughs> I'm like, well, thanks. Building Anyway. Mm. So Mark Ruffalo as Chuck Auli. A- 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 in the book, it's a shorter version of an Armenian name. Scorsese had said that he was taken with Mark Ruffalo since he produced a movie that he was in called You Can Count on Me. And I really liked that Lehane said, what a performance. That performance was a work on three levels. It's an astonishing piece of work. I don't think he gets the raves because he makes it look so effortless, which is true. He His acting in this is leaps and bounds better than, uh I almost said Arnold, <laughs> than Leo.
1: I really like, I like Marf- Mark Ruffalo as an actor.
0: Shall we just call him Dr. Hulk? sure perfect we had ben kingsley uh, you might remember him as the guy who ruined iron man 3 through no fault of his own remember that you don't remember that no it's really bad they wait iron they have man this a- amazingly profound actor who they turn into a bit part joke where he's like i'm not the mandarin i'm just some sad coked out actor No. that movie sucks and if you like it you're wrong
1: that's so interesting. I don't remember that at all.
0: Yeah. He actually talked about having a psychiatrist on the set so that they had, you know, a certain degree of accuracy as to what would be custom practice now and then. and Interesting. In terms of monitoring symptomology and everything, which I thought was really good.
1: Yeah. If absolutely. you have the
0: resources to spend $80 million, I mean, what's it to spend less than a million to have a person on set to actually make sure that what you're it doing makes sense? Legit. <laughs> He talked about how he always learned a lesson in every movie. And what he learned in this one was to create a character who didn't sentimentalize a single word or gesture.
1: Ben or who? Ben. So yeah.
0: everything he does is incredibly clinical. Everything, while almost piteous when it comes to the way he talks to Daniels, he never says anything. He never overdoes it. You know, you could tell he's invested. But right, like right. The, the way that he was subdued and restrained, it was just masterful. The scene in The Lighthouse is awesome. And it's so like I don't know. He is everybody, but in besides Leonardo Decapitated, is great in
1: this. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is also the actor you might recall looked exactly like the waiter from the Tepon restaurant we went to. Oh, we were yes. in Palm Springs. <laughs> so much so that we I asked so Oscar. Excited. I was like, "Hey, has anybody ever said you look at Ben Kingsley?" He's like, "Yes, I get that quite a lot." And I was like, "Right on." Yep. I'm just glad you know who he was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was just thinking that it would. It was smart of them to have a psychiatrist on set just because i feel like mental health is already stigmatized so i could imagine you know someone who has never seen a therapist or never thought about seeing a therapist watching this and be like look this is exactly why i shouldn't do it or look this is exactly you know just creating some excuse which i am sure people do anyway
0: absolutely it's very important to acknowledge the fact that people have incredible predispositions when it comes to the way that mental health is perceived. Mm-hmm. If you say you're taking a sick day, whatever, you say you're taking a mental health day and people have to just probe and prod and pry. And right. At the very least for sensitivities, um, you know, if you want to take it that way or you could just talk about like being accurate. hmm So, great point. We then move on to Max von Sydow. As- did we
1: decide on a... I'm sorry. Did we decide on a nickname for him?
0: Oh. oh, I did not.
1: His... Character name is John Cowley, but I just, when I see it, automatically go to Mr. Crowley. Mr. Crowley! <laughs>
0: I was thinking Gandhi, but Mr. Crowley sounds excellent to me. <laughs> and I hopefully don't bore everybody by singing that exact same thing a thousand times. Uh, basically, nobody else is going to be getting nicknames because they really don't matter. Yeah. Because it seems like every other character in this is only in it for one blurb but I want to address some of these uh, amazing actors. Max von Sydow as Dr. Jeremiah naring Dude has had a career that is just masterful. It, his work speaks for itself, and I really like that he said that the work of Martin Scorsese was, quote, iconic. That, I think, is true. Inarguably, his work is iconic. Mm-hmm. To say that he's the definitive filmmaker of our generation? No. <laughs> no. No, he's not. But we'll move on. You have to have a certain degree of no, I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> Michelle Williams as Dolores Chanal. She was fine. Emily Mortimer as Rachel Salando 1. I thought it was amazing because yep. she's the one who revealed to me that this film was released as Ashcliff in England. Did you know that?
1: No, but I like that name too.
0: Do you like it better than Shutter Island?
1: No. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have any good anagrams in it, so it's probably right.
1: <laughs> you know... I, I don't know. I like Shutter Island because it gives hints to, you know, like kind of what this movie is about. Ashcliffe is while it is the name of the institution, it just doesn't it doesn't have that sense of like suspense. For it's me. very British. Yeah. Look, oh Phil,
2: you gotta say it like this Ashcliffe Penitentiary
1: Asylum. That's not the name
2: though.
0: That's what it is. Ashcliffe Penitentiary Asylum Pip Pip. <laughs> She was on this one show doing press for this movie and I saw and she was talking about how she finds very often when she's having conversations with people or conducting herself in public – she has a fear that she's gonna say or do something wildly inappropriate. And then she said, quote, I spend my whole life afraid to go mad, but when I have to go mad, I find it very difficult. In referring to the scene where she's basically bound and held by everybody after she has her interview with Leo. Right, right. Uh, very interesting. Patricia Clarkson was Rachel Solando too. She's great. Also great. Yep. Easy A. I mean she's her career is very fun. Oh, Uh, Jackie Earl Haley, who you might recall was a Rorschach and Watchmen. He played Freddy in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake in 2010. So my condolences go out to his pride. (laughs) He was also in Maniac Cop 3. So some serious credit on our show. Ted Levine as the warden. Buffalo Bill who likes to skin his humps. He was in The Hills Have Eyes 2006. And this is a movie we kind of have to acknowledge in some way on this show. The Mangler with Robert Englund. What do you, what, what's the mangler you say? Oh, it's just a movie where a laundry folding machine is possessed by a demon and kills people.
1: Have you seen this? No, I want well. to
0: so bad. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for the fact that all of our <laughs> downloads just fall off of a cliff, if I do anything even remotely obscure, I would definitely do this. But I digress John Carroll Lynch you might recall As the transvestite brother Of Drew Carey On The Drew Carey Show Was Deputy Warden McPherson He was in Zodiac The Gothica And American Horror Story Elias Codius As Andrew Latus He was in Prophecy He was in David Cronenberg's Crash Not the other one That was awful And he is my favorite Maniac to ever wear A hockey mask on film Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes I, spe- I do okay, What is it? Say it
1: It was the Ninja Turtles. Wow. Give me a second.
0: I'll give you a hint. I was wearing.
1: No, I know. I know. What? I know who it is. I just can't remember the name right now.
0: I'll give you a hint. Your mom and I were talking about this at coffee. And because I said the name of this character, a guy came up who was like, I heard you say blank. I love the Grateful Dead too. I've never missed a show. I blah, blah. And just talked to us for five minutes. And I was like. I didn't have the heart to say. I have no <laughs> idea what the fuck you're talking about, brother. I
1: can't. I can't. Casey Jones. Okay, thank you. un Yeah. Was,
0: I, he was in Ninja Turtles 1 and 3, not 2. Woo. And the last person I want to talk about was Robin Bartlett as Bridget Kearns. She's delightful. Shall you do the recapitation this week? You already said
1: it. <laughs> do you want me to just say those two words or is that actually... I want me to go into it i would just say trust your heart know uh, thyself just you <laughs> know yes
2: <laughs> gotcha.
1: <laughs> a man suffering from what would you say delusions yeah plays out his psychological fantasy uh that sounds sexual <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. i did say sexual fantasy i know but it just sounds like it right fantasy
0: plays out his fantasy while a bunch of people watch
1: um, while his psychiatrist is hoping that he will come to terms with what it, he's done in order to help save him from himself.
0: As we go into the sleigh by play, I'd like to point out a lot of people talk about this film when there's water in the shot. It's real. If it's fire, it's made up. So we'll get into hmm. it. There are certain degrees to where that's true. There's some that just odd film starts. We got our boys heading to toilet. thrown up. Gets out on the boat. And everything, I, we were talking about this, as so we watched this. It's weird. This shot, like this whole boat sequence goes, there's moments where it looks amazing and real and But vivid. the water yeah.
1: is real. And so the, they are on a boat?
0: Yes. Weird, right? On the water. Yeah. So they do arrive via boat. Interesting. Yeah. So the idea, I huh. guess, is that he ferries out, then ferries back in. That logistic didn't make sense to me. So it looks great and terrible, yeah, within yeah. Every, like a blink of every eye. And one thing I wanted to point out with the with the editing of, on this film, I couldn't find if this was purposeful or if this is just bad editing. But you will see so often when it jumps from shot to shot, people have a different expression. People are in the middle of a gesture. Oh. Pe- it, it's see, just weird. This is me
1: being a nine year old an audience that I just don't notice those things. It's
0: so disjointing. It was literally to the point where I thought it's a
1: purposeful. I may have noticed it like once, and I thought like, oh, that's probably just my mind. <laughs>
0: Or maybe
1: I just wasn't paying attention.
0: It's super. I don't know. Yeah, it's super like throughout and to the point where I was like, is this meant to show that people are being duplicious with him in the sense of like what they're doing and what he's perceiving are disjointed? Hmm. I don't know.
1: Yeah, hopefully it was purposeful, but if not, maybe they just left it in and be like, yeah, people are just going to assume this is like his psychotic break. Yeah, which
0: I think (laughs) that I would love to see this movie redone and you know, through no fault of his own. Scorsese, he just he doesn't. He's not ambitious in that way. you know He's not going to do something that's unnerving or weird mm-hmm. or whatever. He's very linear in storytelling. He does what he does very well. That's not my you know thesis of this. but it just there is no illusion until the very end, right that Teddy is crazy. I actually would have really enjoyed it if the twist was that he was so psychotic that all this happened in one room you know, like where the group therapy session was and you see like a stack of pillows and that's what he thinks the cliff is. Take it to an even further level than to just be like, oh yeah, we just let some paranoid, schizophrenic, delusional who's attacking people just run around.
1: But see, I feel like I I appreciated like the effort of the psychologist to like let his fantasy play out, you know, in hopes that this would fix, I you know, I appreciate going beyond, I guess, the typical treatment
0: well as an educator i mean you could attest that for yourself too right. like, you could just say okay well here are your standards go away but to actually put like passion into what you do and have it be a gamble like imagine if every kid who you helped right if they didn't get it you were just done teaching right. that way. obviously this is a bit of uh, you know exaggeration of that but i think it still stands as they arrive at the island they pull up get on shore where it's sasmaphras they show up and they get asked for their badges yeah. everybody's really hostile and this is what i mean from this moment on Leo is he's even hostile when it comes to mark ruffalo in the beginning it's like see you my partner huh my
1: partner huh
0: that accent gets a little thick
1: <laughs> well and i feel like it falls in and out very yes, it often does. uh but just very interesting so then in this
0: he's like a little agitated huh And the guy's like, yeah, well, we have a fucking hurricane coming in, you psycho asshole. (laughs) Sit in the back and shut up.
1: But now it kind of makes sense why the boat guy was just like, let's get you off this boat. I want to go.
0: Yeah, right. Like,
1: I don't want a crazy person on my boat.
0: You know what's liability this is? I'm going to have to take another line (laughs) of insurance, you fuckhead. (laughs) When they're talking, you also get the backstory that Teddy's wife allegedly died in a fire five years ago. And what is really interesting, that seems like such a deeply personal thing for him to get into. But Chuck is obviously buttering him up because this is so rehearsed that he's like, yeah, right. Get to the point of it. Right, right, right. Which I think is is, is very interesting because especially if you died, I would not use that as an icebreaker.
1: (laughs) If I had died and then you would play this out hundreds of times, maybe. Yeah, for sure.
0: no i'm saying well because it's he's being buttered up like he's being pulled out of them you know what i mean right so to to an extent so they show up mcpherson takes them up to the pearly gates right and as they're driving through you see there's the the live laughed and loved sign where it's like remember us too for we have lived laughed and loved and i was like ha ha everybody's doing the thing where they're making fun of karen's for having a quote that means something to them that's fine go away they get to the gates and they're like all right, you're gonna have to hand over your firearms. Like we have federal marshals. <laughs> the guy's like, "Well, <laughs> that's anecdotally interesting, but my authority supersedes yours. Give me your plastic gun."
1: Yeah, I was gonna say also it's fake, so just hand it over. Yeah, you, know,
0: you fuckhead. <laughs> which I, I really enjoy the fact that it's that, that he hands it over and it's just done. You know, because imagine if he was running through all these scenarios of plastic right. guns. Yeah, well, we saw fun. how that played out. Yeah, which actually that doesn't happen in the book, so I was I was <laughs> kind of into it. So then they meet with
2: Mr. Crowley.
0: And he explains to them what they do at this facility. You know, you have the A ward, the B ward, and the C ward. You have the, you know, normal people divided between A and B, and then the crazies are in C. Actually, that, McPherson's what one who says it, but he elaborates on right. it quite a bit. And he talks about there being a rampant divide where there are the people who believe that you can use therapy and counseling and recuperative measures that way right. to you know, rehabilitate individuals. And then there's the camp where it's, You know, just drug them up. And then there's the camp on the other side, which is, let's just take a scalpel to them and be done with it. Right. You know, basically, we're going to warehouse these people. And as a former educator, as you're an educator, I mean, I have seen the warehousing. And it's disgusting. That is still like a very simple custom and practice. A blend of the two where we just drug them up. We put them in a room until they're not our problem anymore. And we release them into the wild.
1: Yeah. Like I said, like, I I appreciate what this, what, um what did we say his name was Mr. Crowley oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry is trying to do because if we continued on the same path right nothing would be fixed yeah
0: progress takes those failures absolutely And that ambition to fail and try and do things it's absolutely crazy to think of what people used to do and what used to happen maybe
1: to that's what he was doing with the uh, leo just keep on trying
0: well he even talks about nine months ago they had had a breakthrough and then he completely reverted one thing i thought was super- oh,
1: i just meant sort of scorsese with like continuing oh. to have him in his
0: film. gotcha so. all right all
1: right sorry
0: yeah pronoun confusion when you said he i went to <laughs> I know.
2: mr crowley sorry i'm gonna but keep that going. too
0: i bet that bit's really old <laughs> there's somebody on a train somewhere with the headphones <laughs> and being like god
2: damn it again
0: <laughs> So, anyway,
2: Mr. Crowley
0: looks at Leo when he says, uh, he's like with this kind of deep, like probing eyes when he talks about how people used to be like drowned in their treatments, which that was he's my like,
1: hey, this is going to happen to you if you don't shape up.
0: Well, no, I, I took it to be like this look of sympathy, like drowning. Does that mean anything to you?
1: Wink, oh. wink. I just feel like maybe it was a clue, like, hey, these are the types of therapies that we could use. Instead, we're letting you have this <laughs> plastic fun badge. day around, <laughs> you know. Fucking field trip, walking <laughs> around <laughs> punching I people.
0: Don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> so at this point, Teddy's like, "Oh man, I, I got a split headache. I don't know how to do the, the Boston no, like just he does." Please stop. So he's basically said he that he can't has a do it either. So yeah, in the haba. That's uh, the best I can do. <laughs> And he gets a couple of pills from the good doctor whose name I will forgive our commuting listeners.
1: Thank you. And your wife.
0: Yes. <laughs> so they talk about Rachel Salando and her crazy delusions where she has drowned all of her children. Basically, she does what the wife Says she wants to do right in this. Solando takes the kids, puts them around the table, and acts that they're fine after she's drowned them. And the neighbor is the one who catches her later on in the film. You know, you have Dolores has drowned the children and then invites Teddy to help her put them in new clothes and put them around the table.
1: It's all gonna be okay, yeah, yeah.
0: And so, again, this is when you've seen the movie or you know, you've seen the magic trick in the reveal, you can go back and watch things like this and be ah, uh, and. This is just masterful acting from everybody in the scene except for Leo.
1: Even her there. I was just like, okay. I, I don't know. She fell a little flat for me in that scene as well.
0: Oh, she's not in that one.
1: No, not Rachel. Dolores.
0: In oh, at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not great. Okay. They talked about like her great subtlety and I was like, she's just playing loopy. She, like yeah. that's that's basic theater acting for Ophelia and Hamlet. Yeah. Which don't even get me started. You know what I'm saying? Words, words, words. <laughs> oh. Uh, anyway. So they tour the rest of the island, continue to talk about everything. And one of the things that's interesting, there's like a tr- sewage treatment plant. And it's got electrical fencing all around it. So they're already like, what the fuck is happening here? Mm-hmm. You find out the whole place used to be a fort. You end up traveling throughout and seeing everything is just a bit odd they find rachel's room that's yes. been abandoned he, they, somehow she got out mm-hmm. like a wisp of smoke and i love that chuck is like oh yeah she took magic fairy dust invisibility powder and just disappeared clearly he hasn't read the harry potter franchise <laughs> but he's the one who's like hey she doesn't have shoes so she's probably dead somewhere because it would hurt your feet and they find or she didn't get far yeah they find the little note which is the rule of four who is 67 and from there on, you're, that's the riddle of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. You Really, who cares about Rachel? He only wants to find Rachel at that point so he can find out who 67 is. And you find out that both of that is completely tangential to him finding Andrew Latus because he believes that Andrew Latis killed his wife.
1: Right. Which is yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's exactly what
0: happened. <laughs> They're talking about the group's therapy session that she had had the night before. They talk about Dr. Sheehan. Instantaneously, Leo's suspicious of Sheehan because he's gone. Right. And they're like, what the fuck? You just let him go? And they're like, well, you, know, you had a much needed vacation and he's like a super credible doctor. And I think it's super cute because like this he's is the like credible right doctor there. right there. And one thing that's really interesting that I even took a note of, uh, the nurse furtively looks at Mark Ruffalo after she mentions Sheehan, which I thought is just, it's very yeah, well done. I did done. not catch that, but yeah,
1: I, I, th- I don't think like I remembered this whole movie. It had been a long time since I had seen it the first time. And so those subtleties i didn't catch but i bet if i watched it again
0: for sure but do you have another 139 no. minutes to no ain't gonna happen
1: i only watched it again because you were watching it yeah,
0: exactly <laughs> as a favor yeah the time that we're recording this is probably the time i would have gotten laid this week so thanks brian Chad, and jim you really did me a favor here but i'm glad to spend time with you in any capacity close on or off my love <laughs> So then they have the series of dream sequences where Teddy's flashing back to World War Two. You have the very visceral shot of the Nazi on the floor with blood Mm -hmm. hemorrhaging out of his face and the gun next to him. Later on, he explains that the Nazi had actually tried to kill himself and botched it and they just let him die. Yeah, for sure. Um, This is a really. This is my favorite stuff in the book as well. Basically, he they're establishing that he has some serious post traumatic stress that he's dealing with, and then to go straight from that to a life of law enforcement back here, because he talks about and they show it in the movie. They're just murdering Nazis. Mm -hmm. They're not giving them quarter. They're not giving them trial. They're standing them up and they are murdering them. And that's what it is. He said it's justifiable, but it's still murder. And I kind of wish that they had that. I mean, if you're talking about this being a character study and this being a master class of acting, he needs to reconcile that on screen, right? He needs to talk about what he's doing and how that affects him because that, if not for that trauma, you don't get to the trauma with Dolores, right? It's because he's an alcoholic who completely anesthetizes himself to his wife's misgivings, his wife's shortcomings. Exactly. If not for that, he's able to help her. And so to just kind of glance over it. I think it's a pretty big shortcoming in the film even though the imagery itself is amazing. Yeah,
1: I was like I don't know if it if that it, it's not addressed. I mean, maybe not directly, but they do show that those scenes over and over and over again, which I feel like does show post-traumatic stress. Yeah. And not obviously they don't say like you have post-traumatic stress, you know, from this incident, but I think that it is addressed. Implicitly, but that's what
0: I'm talking about, like I'm not giving him any credit. If this is just a movie, it's fine. But if you're talking about this being like his piece, like he needs to have that moment where he reconciles the two. I think I don't, I
1: don't think that that is. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Because I'm not saying he needs a monologue or a soliloquy where he talks about it. I'm just saying he needs to reconcile that like he it needs to show more than just him gasping from a dream. You see what I'm saying? I guess I'm giving it because in the novel, he's aware of it. He acknowledges what he went through. He acknowledges that it's trauma and stress, and he, because you have the benefit of you know his thoughts mm. more so than you do in the movie. So that's my rant.
1: It's interesting, I, you know because I didn't read the book, but I liked how it was laid out, and and it's I you know I think that honestly, even if he hadn't had those traumatic things happen during the war, I still think having your wife do something like that would cause as much
0: oh yeah i'm not i'm saying that like that compounds obviously what happens to him after she does it i'm saying that if it wasn't for the fact that he cut himself off basically from the world because of what he went through that he would have been able to be more empathetic with her and more constructive obviously societal that, That's pressures, interesting.
1: yeah because i don't think that i think that at that point those types of things were ignored that's a good point. I don't think that like time period wise, like I don't think that people were being seen for like you were saying, like they, they there was two very different camps. And I think very much so it, it mostly was ignored.
0: Yeah. So to just move as opposed to getting her counseling right. or medication.
1: Or, that thing,
0: That's true even to an extent now. So I will give you that. So after they have the meeting with the staff,
2: Mr. Crowley,
0: I'm, I'm hemming it down much less. <laughs> Thank you. Hemming it down. Uh, You have Squinty McGinty. What did you call him? One Note. One Note. And Dr. Hulk get taken to his casa and they get to meet with Max von Sidow. And he talks about them being violent men, which, again, is a a very nice distinction because he says, I'm not saying that you are men of violence. I'm saying that you are violent, Mm men," which I think is an interesting distinction, uh, especially when you have to reconcile it with what you find out Andrew Latis is at the end of the book. Right. End of the movie. Then you have the interviews, which I think are pretty great. There's a really great subtlety when they're interviewing Bridget Kearns. She mimics drinking a glass of water, right? So that's when they they bring her the water. Mm -hmm. She mimics it. There's nothing in her hand. And Mm -hmm. then when she does put it down, it's the opposite hand of what she's mimicking. So she was holding a fake glass in her right hand then actually puts down a glass of their left hand. And one of the things people have taken that to mean is that that is Leo's manifestation where he is so refusing to accept reality, the idea of somebody putting water to their mouth, he can't see it. People can drink alcohol and doesn't bother him apparently, but the water is a different story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I did notice that. And maybe that's what I noticed in the scene, like how you were saying like, oh, some things were cut weird. And I think that was one of the things where I was just like, no, that's weird. You know, but... I also just assume, like, oh, they're trying to show, like, the psychosis of these patients. Yeah. You know, so,
0: yeah. One great thing I noticed was when the first time they mentioned the lobotomy, Mark Ruffalo's character is staring at the back of Teddy's head, like, basically boring holes into him. Mm. Little things like that. I did see there was some argument that Teddy never lights his own cigarettes, the idea being that he... As a mental patient wouldn't be allowed anything flammable. But then how does he blow up a a car? car? And also the argument is that the scene where he's talking to Noyce, he's lighting him that up with matches every time. But it doesn't matter because none of that ever happened according to this theorem. That Because it's fire, it's all a manifestation and it's his Mm. mind reconciling the things that he's actually seeing. Which it's just kind of weird because if he has imagined that, then why is there a transcript of it later?
1: That's interesting. See
0: what I mean? But then is it that there's really a transcript of it later or is it that his delusion is there? Is it that his medication induced delusion is there? These are the questions you get into. You can keep extrapolating. But I like to think which
1: makes psychological thrillers interesting because you can just, you know, continue guessing as to what it really means or if that really did happen or, you know, like, what's the other movie that this is mistaken for? Memento? uh, Yes, but. The dream one. Inception. Yes.
0: Yes. I, I had completely juxtaposed those endings. And I was like, oh, these kids died in two movies. Wait, no. Uh.
1: Yeah. So, I, you know, like you, with those types of movies, you just keep on like, did this have it? What does this mean? Is this, you know, so it makes these movies interesting, which I think is why I, the first time I liked it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, I could see why playing back and forth, with you know.
0: Yeah. When we get into it, the, the one sentence difference, I think I actually give a little bit more credence to the ending of the movie than the book. And there's the interview where when he's yelling at the dude who's like, she wanted to see my thick ass dick. He yells at him about Andrew Latus. You could see that the next scene where the nurse is talking to him, she has a syringe pointed directly at him which is supposed to be like, calm it down, teddy dog. I'm going to inject you and calm me the fuck down.
1: That's interesting but also like protecting herself because obviously she knows that he's crazy. Yes. And that like... (laughs) I can't believe they're asking me. I don't get paid enough for this guy to be injuring me. So
0: basically. Yeah. Right. We're I don't calm, know. Baby. I didn't mention it before, but you had the Bridget Kearns lady when she does uh, the water and everything right before that. She takes his notebook and writes run. Yeah. Yeah. In it, which is great because whether he's crazy or not, I mean, she that lady's a hell of an actress. The I, way it,
1: I really liked her.
0: Yeah. And when you see her later on, and she's reacting yep. to him, she's reacting in such a deep way because it's like yeah. th- that performance reads on so many levels. It reads on the level of, hey, this federal marshal's fucking crazy. B. Teddy's crazy. C. You guys are kidnapping a federal marshal and drugging him, and it's crazy. Yeah, she's awesome. So then they leave the grounds and they just decide to hike around. <laughs> they end up going to the cemetery and they're listening during to- a crazy storm. Yeah. And they end up going into this little mausoleum and they're just shooting the shit before the doors rip open. And then you have the guy outside and he's like, federal marshals, get in the car. And they're like, huh, how convenient. (laughs) How did they they
1: find us? (laughs) So weird.
0: But you get this whole thing where he elaborates on latest and talks about the Nazi experiments going on here, mm-hmm. and you get this talk of the senator and noise and noise escaping and then noise being sent back to jail for stabbing people after he's been you know relieved of his duties here. Now he has
1: this huge scar across his face.
0: mm-hmm. When they get back, they forfeit their clothes and they end up in white orderlies clothes. And he continues to smoke cigarettes that other people have provided him because he hasn't been able to find them since the boat. Mm-hmm. And when he has one of those terrible nightmares about his wife, he wakes up completely soaked because the roof is peeing on him because mm-hmm. there's a crack or no, it's actually just a faulty pipe, if I'm not mistaken. And that's how he wakes up. I'm not even into the dreams because to have a dream of a character who's psychotic is just like one extra step removed. <laughs> They meet at
2: Mr. Crowley's
0: office and they argue about the investigation. And this is where Teddy starts to have his migraine. They give him some medication and he is KTFO and he comes waking up later the next day, it's kind of chaotic. You find out that he he's basically slept through the worst of the storm. The backup generators have failed, and then this, oh, this gives is a second he, dream near I me. Mean. Yeah, he and Chuck have the opportunity to go to Building C, and they pretend to be orderly. That's and, where they get separated. Yeah, yeah. And so, in this, you have it's Teddy who's the violent one beating the ever loving piss out of the patient in the book it's another guy and he's actually the voice of reason which is kind of odd hmm. but this definitely drills the point home that he is the dangerous one interesting you have chuck going off dr hulk does whatever and one note keeps going through and he ends up finding mr noise and noise has been jacked up his face illuminated with one matchstick at a time, and he has this back and forth with Leo, where he's like, "You're you did this, mm-hmm. literally." And some of the word choices here are very nice, mm-hmm. and it's a good scene. Basically, what he the gist of it is. I was out and then you kept asking fucking questions and then I got sent back here and I'm going to die here and I'm being beaten and I'm hurt and I'm crazy and there's nothing anybody's going to do for me. And this is where one note's like, I'm going to save you. And the guy's like, no, no, you're not. You're the one literally doing these things. This is where Noise is like, have you ever worked with your partner before? Have you ever seen mm-hmm. him before? Let me ask you a question. You smoked any of their cigarettes? Mm-hmm. You take any of their pills? You drink their coffee? And this is where he starts to think, oh, shit, like I'm crazy. Like Mm -hmm. I have been drugged. I'm I have not myself. Mm -hmm. He goes and he meets up with Chuck. And then he says they find Rachel and then they do an interview. They're talking. And then Rachel starts talking to him as if he is her husband. Right. In the book, he touches her hair. And then, as he's like kind of tripping later, he looks at his thumbs and they have these black smudges on it. And he realizes that she is actually a nurse who dyed her hair for that scene.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, which I I would have liked something with that. But obviously, that's just taking more time in a movie that I thought was kind of bloated.
1: But so she realized, like, she, something about it, him, she realizes, like, you're not my husband. Like, why are you lying to me? And then she, they drug her. Yeah. He leaves.
0: And then they start talking about Latis' file and this is where, you know, they get separated.
1: And he's like refusing to take anything now. Exactly. So he's in pain. Cigarettes and otherwise. Yeah.
0: And he thinks that he sees Chuck at the bottom of a cliff. Mm -hmm. And this is directly in the book as well. Uh, He ends up finding the note. Same thing in the... In the novel, you actually find out that Dr. Sheehan is watching him from the cliff. Oh. He was going down to try and f- get that piece of paper, too. and oh. actually almost ruins the whole thing because he was just going to leave the note in the road so that Teddy would find it along the way. So then this and is- then it blew away. Yeah, and that's exactly. why he was trying to get it. Yeah. And yeah. so he's trying to get it. And as he's trying to get it, it's one of those kind of funny thing where they kind of acknowledge, like, this is a lot of happenstance to be right, going right, on. Right. Like, a lot of it's so crazy. That's what I mean. Like, the idea that it all happens in one room and it's he's so delusional. I like that better because it's so much goes right for these doctors. Right. You know what I mean? Even with a fucking hurricane. <laughs> yep. So while he's down there, he ends up going into a cave and finding the real Rachel Salando. Rachel too. And what does she tell him?
1: That she's been hiding. hmm And mm-hmm. she goes from cave to cave during the day. And like.
0: Is she super smart? She is. Because she's a doctor at the
1: facility. I remember that.
0: Oh, yeah. She's talking about how she used to be one of them. And then she starts to. Oh, and then her. they
1: called her psychotic. hmm And then once that happens, there's no going back.
0: And she starts to address that he's having symptoms that, you know, are caused by medication, which you later find out are withdrawals from medication. Right, right. So he basically just falls asleep. And then when he wakes up, she's like, hey, you need to fucking leave because they're going to be looking (laughs) for both of us and you're going to ruin my life. Mm -hmm. And she also questions if Chuck's even a marshal. And he goes back on the road. The Jeep pulls up and this is where we get the warden. So convenient. Ted Levy. And he's great. He's just, he's so good at being slimy, mm-hmm. you know? He asked Teddy if he were to reach over and try and bite his eye out, would Teddy be God. able to stop him? And Teddy says, why don't we try and find out? And they smile. He says that that's the Teddy he was expecting. Basically saying, you're proving me right. You are this little spit fuck who's just a dirty fighter because he doesn't see him as a patient. He sees him as a liability. Somebody mm-hmm. who's hurting people. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is w- before you're like, oh, man, this guy's cruel. But then if somebody was abusing my coworkers, I'd be like, fuck you, kid. Fuck this stupid experiment. Fuck all this. I'm going to bite your face. Would you do
1: that? Well, again, you're also being asked to do something that's outside of your duties. Yeah. Right. Outside of something that you're being paid to do. So fuck you. Pay me. Even if it's experimental. They, he's The doctor acknowledges that none of them agree with him. Like none of them think that this is going to work. So, yeah, I would be upset, too. Now I'm just chasing this guy around because, you know, they want to try something that no one thinks is going to work and basically let him have the run of the
0: asylum. This uh, is literally the inmates running the asylum. Yeah. So he drops him off and he goes and confronts
2: (sighs) Mr. Crowley.
0: And he's like, hey, where's my partner, Chuck? And they're like, what partner, Chuck? You've never never had had a partner.
1: partner. What?
0: This is that uh, dramatic gopher. And then he sees his wife in his brain and she says that the lighthouse will destroy him but he's convinced that's where Chuck is because they're gonna mm-hmm. lobotomize him mm-hmm. so he blows up
2: Mr Crowley's
0: car and in this Sorry, everyone. Sees, yeah it's gonna keep <laughs> happening in this he sees his wife and what ends up being his daughter and there's the explosion and blah 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 it's fucking ugly tie he says to his wife which is true to the book Yep. Uh, one of the things I really loved in the book though because in this,
2: Mr. Crowley
0: doesn't give a fuck about his car he's like I like that car in the book he has one little moment that I really really enjoyed where he said when I was buying that car I was so relieved because I didn't have to have the question of what car I was going to have for the next 15 years and you ruined that for me (laughs) I just really loved like how simple that was and so he works his way up to the lighthouse he knocks the guards out and he gets there why you all wet babe And he gets the phrasing wrong because it's why y'all wet, babe, babe, why y'all wet. But either way, you could see it's something that triggers him, right? And he explains everything. And it actually makes sense for him to explain everything because it's not like a Bond villain. You know, he's explaining something because it needs to be explained. Right. He says, like, look at the names. You know, Edward or, you know, Eddie Dan- or Te- well, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy Daniels. Daniels is actually Edward Daniels. Edward Daniels is an anagram for Andrew Latus And Rachel Salando is Dolores Chanel. Yep. And in the book, they even go into the fact that the names are actually his children. It was Rachel, Edward and Daniel. And that's kind of a skew in this. And he's like, well, what about Chuck? And then in comes Mark Ruffalo. So go on, boss. And he's like, what? And He takes out his gun and I really love that he uses the gun and there's a splatters of blood, but then it just crumbles in his hand. Oh, that's such a fun visual opportunity that you have to really hammer that home. Yeah. From here, he basically just has his full psychotic break and he's just can't accept the fact that this is what happened. You get to actually see the flashback where it's he and his wife at the lake house. He gets home, he immediately goes to the cabinet, he immediately drinks, so you see he has like a systematic kind of problem. He goes and he sees her. This is his best acting in the film. Um, it's I think it's probably his best because it's the only thing that's not one note. He plays everything out else just aggressive, in this he's actually a sympathetic mm-hmm. character. But also, even in his sympathy, he's a he's raging, which you know is. Fun. I know I would react the same way, but it's just it, like he said, it becomes very kind of humdrum. This is probably a lot of fatherhood changed my perspective of the story because when I was you know younger and I saw this, I was like, okay, that sucks. Yeah, but now I was like, yeah, if I came home and found out that you'd killed the kid, like. When he says, if you ever love me, stop talking. Like, I can imagine being that predicament where it's Mm -hmm. like, I will fucking kill you if you say one more word. And he does. What do you think about this scene?
1: Well, because she asked him to, right? Yeah. And so so he feels like, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot going on. I think that this is very real. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people don't acknowledge this. Just like mental health issues. Yeah. So this happens probably more often than we'd like to realize, but I don't know. I, I feel like his acting, it's so it's, it's hard to know how you would react in that situation. So I feel like him going out into the lake, very plausible, like him trying to resuscitate them, like knowing that's not going to work, but you're just so desperate to try and, you know, help them in any way. You know, and then he kills his wife because he feels like he's putting her out of her misery and he should have helped her sooner. Yeah. You know, and then he blames himself basically for killing his kids because he should have addressed his wife's mental health before that. It's all very interesting and very reasonable why he would have a mental break and not want to acknowledge that that had happened or he had done those things and yeah I don't I can't imagine being in that situation
0: I've only had one major tragedy in my life where I was like that happens to other people like that doesn't happen to us that happens to you know, X person that happens to this person who has, you know, th- this person basically put themselves in that tragic situation, mm-hmm. and to truly be a victim, and then also like you have that enigma of like what you could have done in a hypothetical scenario that you can never change, mm-hmm. is awful. The setting of the f- this scene is really well executed it looks like a f- lake house. It yeah. feels so different than the rest of the film. Yes. He looks different. It's... I really would be interested to see when they filmed this in relation to the rest of the film just to see you know, what physical kind of toll it took because by this point that you have the immediate juxtaposition of him being like this mangled Smeagol type character right. who's like fidgeting in the lighthouse versus this guy who seems you know, a little weary but not bad. Right, right. And then he's you know writhing in pain basically both emotional and i guess emotionally and like psychiatrically then it goes right back and then he's on the cot and he they're like all right who are you i'm andrew Mm Latis. why are you here because i murdered my wife Mm -hmm. and he says and basically because i didn't help her i basically murdered my kids too yep and so they talk to him they're like look man like they're going to scoop your brains out of your head if we can't make you this stick this like because
1: th- we've had this we've had this breakthrough before, yep. but you've reverted again. So how can we make this last? Yeah. And then
0: you're the one who broke Noyce's face. Yep. You know they well, they'd already done the transcript thing. They're talking about like, you're the most dangerous person on this island.
1: You are patient. Sixty seven. Yeah.
0: You've been trained and you're murderous and like uh, we cannot have you here. I cannot defend you. And then they're also basically saying, and you're basically our test, you're the pilot program. Right. And this doesn't work for you. I can't try this with anybody else. Yeah. So you need to make it stick. So he goes yeah. off. And then the next scene is him sitting on the steps. And it's like a beautiful day. New day. And I love this scene in the book, the way it leads up, because he talks about like the air is sweeter, the sounds are fuller, the tobacco that he's smoking is even sweeter and more flavorful, right? You got Sheehan who comes up and they're talking and he's like, so how's it going? He's like, we've got to figure out a way to get off this island, Chuck. And he looks over and just shakes his head. The orderly comes and they have the lobotomy stuff. What's different between the movie and the book is in the movie he asks, one very simple question is, it which would be worse, to live as a monster or to die as a good man? And when he asks that, he has this kind of squinty look, squinty McGinty, obviously, mm-hmm. and he walks off. And Sheehan calls after him and then he keeps going. And that implies he knows what's happening. Yep. He is lucid and he'd rather fucking die than yeah. have to deal with this, what he's become.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, and also having to to live, re- like knowing that you killed your wife, you know, like knowing daily that you did that, Like because that's what he was trying to avoid in the first place is acknowledging that that happened. Exactly. Right. So now that they've had this breakthrough, now that he's aware wouldn't you just rather not think about it? Of course. So I I thought that was a great scene.
0: Yeah, the ending of the book is when you have Sheehan who says we're too smart for him, which obviously has some of the same evocative nature. But this is very clearly an enigma. And I, I think that's the best part of the whole movie is just that that one bit that you sometimes you hear like those horror stories in one sentence or in three words or whatever. Like this is a whole mystery in three lines
1: mm-hmm.
0: only because you've built off of everything else. But I think that's an awesome way to end the movie. And there we go. That was Shutter Island.
1: Well, and it's so interesting too, that because now he knows, okay, if I relive this fantasy or pretend to relive this fantasy, the whole program fails. Like they yeah. don't get to do this again. So now he's not only making that decision for himself, I thought that was an interesting part. Like, do you think that he considered that? Or do you think that he was just like, I just can't live with this reality. I'd rather just.
0: That's that's a tough one. Because if he is doing that, he's not sympathetic to the people who have tried to help him. But also he doesn't care. This is his one reprieve. This is the one way he gets out of this hell he's built for himself. Right. So it's it's a, a very difficult scenario to be in. I really enjoy that riddle. And I mean, with with a sentence that left me asking way more questions than the book did through no fault of either. So I got to ask you, babe, is this a classic, a trashic or a tragic?
1: Mm, I would say trashic, probably.
0: I could see that inarguably there. It's a well executed movie to an extent. It's just not great. Like this is a solid C of a movie. You know, this is your standard. This is like a seven out of ten movie. This is not yeah. going to win any awards. This isn't going to change anybody's life, but it is competent and it is fine. Yeah, and I think that it's kind of unfairly maligned because Scorsese's other works are so good and they're so highly accredited. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I was leaning on calling it a classic. I think I might be supplementing a bit with the book because I know when I saw it the first time, I probably would have called this tragic. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, in either event, it's not enough to top any of our reigning champions. So free pass. <laughs> <laughs> so would like to mention on the air we have basically stagnated when it comes to our downloads we aren't growing at all and we can only do that with you or by paying all of our sultan overlords with metadata all of the monies that we get from patreon to advertise to give people something for free which doesn't make much sense so if you can with the phone in your pocket whether your headphones are connected to or whatever media you're doing you could just leave a review or comment give a thumbs up or a thumbs down take a screenshot of the thing that you're listening to and tag us I'll be your best friend forever. I'm already not attached to Brian, Chad, and Jim. They're dead to me now, probably because they all have the coronavirus. So if you can, please consider doing that. You know That means so much to us, and it would help us grow. in the alternative, you can give us money on Patreon, but then we're not growing. We're just being rich, and then I slather your money all over my naked body. My wife watches. We film it. We sell it on the internet, so I make more money. That is good business sense. We also have Slammers, which is coming out weekly, which is a weekly tournament where we are pitting horror icons that we have made and WWF No Mercy on Nintendo 64 up against each other. This last week's going to be a doozy because Jake has to go up against himself because of the aforementioned coronavirus that has afflicted the rest of his co-hosts. And his wife is certainly not playing a Nintendo game. No. Yes. This will be an interesting one. And with that, I think I have plugged everything. We're on all of the social medias. If we're not, let us know where we're at effective and we will get back to you. Wife, is it that time?
1: I think it is. So I will slash you later. And for my wife,
0: for the people in quarantine, my <laughs> name is Jake reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. This is where you make a mouth fart sound. Well, that was one hell of an episode, wasn't it? I'm very happy my wife was able to step in last minute, and even though she doesn't listen to the regular episode, much less the hidden track at the end of the episode, I want to say thank you, because I know that I talk in a nasally annoying voice, and no one wants to listen to it, as evidenced by our downloads. Now, on to more pressing business. We have a track from Rat Bat Spider off of their forthcoming album, Day of the Rat Bat Spider. This song, Killer Mommy, Killer Mommy. I couldn't resist. There are tons of great songs on this record. They sent me the whole thing and they left it to me to choose which one I was supposed to put on this damned episode. It was very difficult. Other tracks include references and homage to such William Shatner masterpieces as Kingdom of the Spiders. You have Vampire Ticks from Outer Space. So, I mean, literally, this is right up my alley. They have some shows coming up. Amazingly enough, they're playing with Michael Graves of the Reformed Misfits, who you might recall did the albums American Psycho and Famous Monsters, Famous Monsters of which is, I think, an album I only skip one song on. That's saying something because I am kind of a prissy little bitch when it comes to my music. That show is coming up on April the 28th, and on April 11th, they're playing with Illusion of Fate. You can check out everything that they have Facebook.com Rat Spider one word. Not that it really matters that it's one word in a URL, but whatever. Rat slash merch. Buy a bunch of shit. Tell them how you found them. And that is all I have to say. Listen to this song. Enjoy it. Maybe masturbate. Who knows? <laughs>